Uh, today is the second sermon to do with healing. It's been a desire in this church to come to a place where Jesus' healing ministry is effective. And the purpose of the teaching is to put in the Bible foundations for healing in this day and age. Healing Jesus' way is what I've called this. You see, when we're trying to get somewhere, <clears throat> we need to know the way. The trodden paths are helpful to get us to the right destination. If, for example, we wanted to be a carpenter, then to be an apprentice first, to learn the woodcraft, to learn carpentry, would be good. Some would say essential if the chair is to remain holding us up and the table doesn't collapse. So it's to do with learning and to seeing the way to where you want to go. Trying to get somewhere, we need to know the way. So it is with Jesus, and his call on us is to heal the sick. But how to follow his call, how to follow his path? What better way to look at his ways and how today we can effectively pray for Jesus to come to heal people? As you see, it's he who does the healing. It's him. He does the healing and we are to do the praying. We love, we have an ability to lead people to that place of wanting to receive, but we have no ability to heal anything at any time. No ability to heal anyone. But we do know a man called Jesus whose heart is for healing, and his desires are that we show his love in action. And that enables us to preach the whole gospel. Preaching the whole gospel. What did he say? Preach the gospel, the good news. Heal the sick and release the captives. So we need to take on Jesus' way of healing, don't we? Healing Jesus' way. Let's look at the main categories to help us. First, individuals who demonstrated faith, all right? So there are healing events in the Bible where people demonstrated faith. If you're looking at Bibles, it's Matthew 8 to start with. A lot of these are in Matthew, and Matt will do his best. There's rather a lot of these as I go through. But the first one is Matthew 8, verse 1. If Matthew could do that, then we can have Matthew from Matthew. I'll read it from my Bible, but you can see the parallel behind me. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Is that the one? No, it's not. <laughs> We've got a different one there. Matthew 8, 1 to 24. Not to worry. I'll read that one off there. When he came down from the mountainside, large clouds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing he said, be clean. Immediately, immediately he was cured of his leprosy. 
you see the faith in action there from the man, the leper. He is demonstrating faith and the healing comes. Let's now move to Matthew 9, verse 20. Matthew 9, verse 20. Just then, a, w- a woman who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. You see, the faith in action of reaching out to Jesus, touching his cloak. The first leper had faith of a different sort. Here we have somebody with a very long-term problem, and something like that would have made her spiritually unclean in society, an outcast. She's probably spent all of her money seeing doctors to try and get cured of this problem. For 12 years, she has suffered a place of humiliation, a place of loss, of weakness. But she has that faith, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed how we sometimes need that faith. Individuals who demonstrate faith. Now the second main category is individuals who demonstrated faith for others. So individuals who demonstrate their faith in Jesus Christ to receive his healing power, not for themselves, but for others. Can we turn again, Matthew, to Matthew 9, verse 2. Matthew 9, verse 2. Some men brought him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And if we move on, he's then accused of blasphemy. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. So you see, the faith was for others. Let's turn to Matthew 9, verse 18. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. And then we get the story of the woman we've just referred to. When, verse 22, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away, the the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him and the crowd had been put outside. After the crowd had been put outside, he went, took the girl by the hand And she got up. News of this spread through that region. And here you will see this is Jesus laying hands on somebody. 
but the ruler comes, my daughter's just died. Come and put your hand on her and she will live. So that individual, the ruler, had that faith for healing for his dead daughter. Jesus laid hands. Why do we lay hands on people for healing? Because Jesus did so. It's the example of imparting as a matter of faith. If prompted by the Holy Spirit, then that is the right thing to do. The third main area is merciful healings of Jesus. All the healings, of course, in a way, are merciful healings. But these are events where Jesus heals without requiring any demonstration of faith or a faith statement. Nothing at all. Again, can we stay with Matthew? But Matthew 8. Matthew 8, verse 14. And that is the one again of Jesus and, Mary, uh, and Peter's mother-in-law with the fever. Fevers don't leave just like that, do they? They tend to hang around and they gradually, the symptoms ebb away. And again, it's him touching, touching her hand. And she immediately got up and waited on him. It's some, some refer to her getting up and making a meal. Remarkable. And then we come to mass healing events where Jesus, there are 22 references to Jesus being in a place where he's not ministering individually, but he is touring. He's on a tour. There's a first Galilean tour and a second Galilean tour. And sometimes we do it from the front here, and it's called body ministry. The ministry is for everybody, and it's for them people then to reach out and receive in their minds, their bodies, their spirit, whatever they need. But Jesus did this repeatedly. And in the first Galilean preaching tour, if we look at Matthew 4, verse 23. The subparagraph on this says, Jesus heals the sick. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. Isn't that topical when you think of what's happening in Syria now and the sickness we see in that country as people endeavor to come out of dictation? to ship into a place of freedom. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, and those suffering severe pain and demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. You notice no exceptions, all who ask receive. And large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So we are talking of mass healing events. Let's move on to his second Galilean preaching tour. And that's Matthew 9 and verse 35. It 
Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciple, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. So in modern terms, he went round the towns, he went round Hastings, he went round Eastbourne, he went round the villages like Hurstman Zoo and Wartling, and he went round Hailsham and so on. And he taught in the churches, and he preached good news, and he healed every disease and sickness. And when he saw those crowds in those towns in the villages, what's the first thing he has? He has compassion on them. If you want to be involved with praying for people to be healed, then you need a heart of compassion. You need to be alongside. It's almost weak with those that weep, but it's also the compassion, the desire to see the healing take place, not necessarily for itself, because the healing was always part of the good news and the evidence of the kingdom of God for people to be saved. Not that people are saved alone, because it says come and make disciples, but the power of God by works when we preach the word is so important. The word on the one hand, the works on the other. If you take one away, there is a major problem, and the major problem is powerlessness. It doesn't work. Jesus tells us how to do that. The word and the works. Faith, you'll notice, is present somewhere. Somebody somewhere's got the faith. Let's look at the second Galilean preaching tour, Matthew 9. No, we've done that. We've done that already. But let's have a look at Matthew 19 instead. Because again, this is Mass and he's in Judea. When Jesus finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Mass healing. And sometimes we have healing whereby there appears to be a spiritual dimension involved. The spiritual dimension in some way may, may be responsible for some infirmities. There may be some illnesses that are rooted in that of the enemy. In a way, if you think about it, all sickness and disease is to do with the enemy, but these are where there is a presence beyond that. There, are, uh, there is a need to deal with something that is the enemy's soldiers, if you like. Those soldiers of the enemy have touched people and there are a number of examples of those. If you look at Matthew 9, verse 32. While they were going out, a man was demon-possessed and could not talk, was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the men, man who had been mute 
spoke. The crowd were amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. He could not speak. His tongue was tied, we'd say these days. And it is clear from the scripture here that the root of that was a demonic oppression upon him, causing him to be unable to speak. Once that had been dealt with, his tongue was loose and he could talk. If we then look at Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? Blind and deaf. A spirit of blindness. A spirit that caused deafness. It's a word Jesus speaks it. It goes and he could both talk and see. Let's look at Matthew. No, let's look at Luke. Luke 13.10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who'd been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So she was bent right over, a hunchback woman, couldn't straighten up and she'd been crippled by a spirit that had caused her spine to bend and hold her in that position for 18 years. I went to a healing conference last year, that was 2,000 years ago. And there was a vicar there, Church of England vicar, and he described this woman in a similar situation. She was bent right over. And when he used to come and serve communion, he would serve communion like this to everybody at this level. But when he got to her, he'd serve it about here, because that's where her mouth and her hands were. And they met with her, and they prayed, and they found out that most of her family, she was Jewish, but she was a Christian, a committed Christian. Most of her family had been exterminated in the camps. And they prayed into that, and they asked the Lord to come and move that awful loss, the affliction and everything. As they laid hands on her, in accordance with this, she came upright immediately. And when he came to the following Sunday, it was communion. And he was going along the line, serving communion in the normal way, in this level with the bread. And as he came to her, he went to serve it down here, out of habit. And of course he had to lift, because she was straight and healed. Something spiritual had happened to her as a result of those horrendous things in her family line. Aunts, uncles and so on. We don't understand it. But Jesus did. And somebody had the faith to pray into what appears to be impossible. Why did it happen? 
Because it happened in scripture. Why does it happen now? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I know you know that. I know you know that. But do you know it? Is the compassion of Christ there to apply it? Because the needs are here, around us, in the chapel, in the village, in Hastings, Eastbourne, everywhere. The spiritual dimension will arise on occasions in Jesus' healing ministry. There are many other examples. The Jezreel demoniac you know about. There was a gentle, uh, a Gentile woman with a demonic daughter. There was an epileptic boy healed, and so on. Mary Magdalene and certain women. There are numerous examples. And then lastly, there are these areas which are unique healing methods of Jesus. And this is because sometimes there is only one way that the people were going to be healed, and Jesus knew that. And we need to know that from the Holy Spirit. All of these examples are good, but you can't apply one of them at random to a situation, and it fits. It almost certainly will not fit. You have to go with those gifts of discernment the compassion, the discernment, and stepping out in faith for people to be, believe they're going to be healed by Jesus. He does the healing, you're to do the praying. Ideally to do it in faith, of course. John 9, verse 6. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, this word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging, because that's obviously how he earned his living, by being blind. Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself, the blind man, said, insisted, I am the man. I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. I don't know. Do you know Jesus is the healer? Do you know you have a job to do? with Jesus to pray so that he can heal, so that the whole gospel may be proclaimed, so that people may come into the kingdom of God and not go to the place called hell with fire and damnation, but go into a place called paradise. I don't know, he said. I hope we as a church and a chapel won't be a church that says, I don't know. A chapel that said it happened 2,000 years ago and it was Jesus who did it. And I can't get involved with that. It's all too difficult. I might run into some opposition. I might run. I might not get it right. Something of the enemy may kick up. No. We need to know as a church. Because Jesus had compassion. And if we don't have that compassion, then those people who are afflicted by the enemy, 
those people who have long-term illnesses will not be healed because you did not pray. No prayer, no answer, no healing. That you can be sure of. But what if I pray and they don't get healed and, you know, you've got a broken wrist and I prayed and it's still broken? I strongly believe from years of experience in this ministry that Jesus always carries out a measure of healing. You may pray for the broken leg. He may heal the broken heart. You pray for the broken heart and he will pray. He will deal with something else. He might even heal the broken wrist when you're praying about something else. He is sovereign. He is the healer. And he will hear the prayers, but he will apply the solution to that prayer is the healing in the order that he knows is right and some healings are instant some come by stages but they all come about by the application of faith they do not come about by the application of unbelief or disbelief or some horror story about some ministry that allegedly went wrong because with Jesus you cannot make mistakes if your heart is right and your compassion is right. You only get to sit the exam again and you keep sitting it until you will see the kingdom come in through your ministry. Yes, there will be people who have particular gifts of healing and yes, you need discernment in areas to do with the enemy. You may need that gift of discerning spirits. Not may, you will need the gift of discerning spirits. But these gifts are all within us already. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have all the gifts. The issue is only, only the release of them. It's Christmas present time. All the presents are around the tree, but have you unwrapped them? Have you allowed them to be unwrapped? Jesus' heart for healing. He wants us to be involved with this. I want us to be involved with this because it's obeying Jesus' commandments to preach the whole gospel. But we can't do it unless we know the biblical basis, we know the foundations, we know the shape of what these are. And I will do further teaching on this, but that's the second main brick in the wall on healing. I want to end with Malachi 4, verse 2. Malachi 4, verse 2, Matt, if you can find that. It's a very little book in the Bible. You'll probably miss it if you go looking for it. You'll probably have to use the index to find it. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Liz, Helen, second part of that. Have you had calves that do that? Do they do that? Right, so they do that. So you know that's true. There you are, you've got three witnesses to that. Let's go back to the first bit. For you who revere my name, do revere Jesus' name. Yes, right, okay, so that's, that's a tick in the box for that one. The son of righteousness. I love this, don't you? Make it S-O-N. Make it S-O-N. Who's the son of righteousness? Jesus. What will he do? 
He will rise. Notice the word will. He doesn't say my, may. He doesn't say possibly. He doesn't say subject to contract. He says he will rise. What? With healing in its wings. Under the shadow of his wing we find security. What better security can you minister from than being in the light of Christ, ministering by laying on hands and praying into people's lives who have needs. You're not forcing it on them. You do what Jesus said is, what do you want? The person's blind in front of you. You don't assume they want to see. They may not want to see. This man who'd been begging all his life probably was going to lose his handy, his, his, his income by seeing. So you ask, what do you want? What a lovely scripture. And how prophetic. He will rise with healing in his wings. And there's a joy in it. There must be joy because the calves leap around because they're leaping around in joy. Would you like to see that? The spiritual equivalent here in this chapel? You can do. And God will send in those people, those situations, so that this can come about. I'll stop there. There is so much more of Jesus' ministry to do with healing. Please read the scriptures. Get hold of something. Search around for yourself because your way of being used for healing will be different to mine, be different to Jenny's, different to Coral's. But the four books on healing you need to read are called Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Amen.